0: Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sand Hill, FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast you're about to enjoy was given live before the congregation at Sand Hill. It's our desire as a church to live Christ to people while loving people to Christ. We pray that this podcast will invigorate and encourage your walk with Christ because here at Sand Hill, we believe that Christians can still be unwavering in our faith if we hold fast to the absolute truth of God's mighty word. For more sermons like this, as well as additional content, we invite you to visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.
1: We will be in the book of Romans this morning. If you want to turn to the first chapter of the book of Romans uh, and um, be finding your place there... Um... As has already been mentioned uh, several times this morning, and in, unless you're hiding under a rock, or if you don't watch TV, you don't know this, uh, but the world has lost its mind, right? The world has completely lost its mind, and, and that's not necessarily just a Democrat-Republican statement. That is a statement, this world has lost its mind. It is. And I mean, we could just stand here and talk forever of all the craziness is going on. But my dad said something to me a long time. I know I've mentioned this before, but a long time ago, back when when all this started happening, you know, a year ago or something. And this is what my dad said. He said, when you when you listen to everything, it doesn't make sense. And that just kind of clicked with me because, you know, it isn't a matter of just having a different opinion. It isn't a matter of I see it this way and you see it this way. It is a matter of very, very intelligent people are talking very, very stupid. They're talking very, very stupid. There's no way it it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And it is a very popular view uh, to be very, very stupid. And, And I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying something has changed. Some, we're not living in the world we lived in before. It has changed, um, and it would really seem like uh, we're we're getting ready to wind this thing up. Uh, and I don't know what the end time will look like. I don't know how long we have left, uh, but I do know we've never lived in a time like this. Bible does refer to it. To I believe the Book of Isaiah refers to uh, when they will call good evil and call evil good. Are we not living in that day? They call evil good and they call uh, good evil. So so, but the world has lost its mind. And I'll be honest with you, if, if I'm just transparent just for a second, um, with all that has gone on, there is a strong temptation in me. There's a strong temptation in me to buy a, buy a cabin in Montana and hole up and live off the ladder and never come out again, right? Uh, there's a strong temptation to hole up in my house and not be around anybody. There's a strong temptation to woe is me. Uh, there, there is fear of the future, of the economy, of, of listening. But can I, just, can I just be real honest with you guys? Every time I start thinking that way, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of me me. And said, "What are you doing? What are you doing? I thought you trusted me. I thought you were the pastor of the church. I thought you were a spiritual leader." Quit thinking like that. Stand up and lead your people. And, and God has just made it abundantly clear to me. To t- this is not a time to be hanging our heads in, in fear. This is not a time to be... Uh, um, uh, listen, I, I think it's really kind of a waste of time to figure out what's going on. Okay, I don't think you're going to fear what's going on. It's a mess, right? It's just a mess. Uh, but, but here's what we've got to do. We have a job to do. Jesus said very, very clearly, Occupy until I come. Listen, that does not have anything to do with anything that's going on. If the virus gets worse, if the economy gets worse, if the government gets worse, whatever happens, something we haven't even thought of. None of that changes anything. Occupy till I come. Keep doing the work of the Lord till Jesus comes back. That is clear orders. That is what we're supposed to do. And I just want to say this um, by way of encouragement. All this has to do with the message. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lay out the message this morning. I believe we could very possibly be in the greatest opportunity we've ever been in before. I've experienced something really, really strange at work. <clears throat> I don't know, I haven't talked to CJ about this, but I've experienced something and I, I don't know if any of the rest of you have experienced this. But I've been walking around in the lunchroom, in the locker room, you know, just the guys talking out in the shop, just everybody I'm around. I am witnessing uh, lost people who are scared. They're scared. They They're like, what in the world? I just talked to my boss. I had a one-on-one meeting with him. We were having a meeting, and, uh, and kind of when we got done with that, he began to share with me. Now, he, he, he's, a, uh, he's you know, about my age and just a big old guy, afraid of nothing, and we began to talk about it, and, and he said, so many things are happening, and what he was really saying is, I'm scared. I'm scared, right? Now, isn't that a great time to say, hey, I got the answer. I got the answer, right? It's not the Republicans. It's Jesus, Amen. He, I got the answer. I can, we, we, we can fix this thing. Listen, I can give you something. It won't matter what they do. It's Going to be all right. And, and and the world is hungry for that. And the men at work are hungry for that. And and the people are confused and scared. And there are a lot of people who are scared to death. And people are panicking. And all these things going. Can I tell you? The church needs to shine. We need to shine. We need to say we have the answer, and it is Jesus. Can I tell you? We're not on the losing side. We're on the winning side. Amen. So, so it's time to keep our heads high and praise God, live a holy life, and tell people about Jesus. This might be a time for revival to come. I have heard multiple, multiple pastors say, uh, it is time for revival. Now there's a lot of people who think, no, it's time to hide the house and, and don't do anything. But you know what? Maybe it's a time to re- have revival where people get serious about God and souls get saved and we do great things for God. Amen. But I, for one, the Holy Spirit will not let me hunker down, have a pity party and be scared to death and not do anything. Holy Spirit won't let me do that. He said, get out there, preach the word, stand up bold and tell him Jesus is going to take care of us. Amen. Anybody believe that? Anybody believe that? All right. So we're so we're going to move forward for that. And uh, and I, and I want to say this. Lastly, we'll, we'll get into the scripture. Um, I've I've said this over and over and over again. Sandhill Hill Church has done very, very well through this virus, through everything that's went on. We, we, we've had to shut down some services. We've had to make all kinds of changes. We've had to uh, be flexible. We've had to make all kinds of different uh, inconveniences. Uh, but there are a lot of churches. Um, I, I just got a, uh, just saw a thing this week where, some, where they say most churches are losing 70% of their congregation. And, and many, many think they'll never come back. And, and the churches are just hurting. And pastors are discouraged. And things are going bad. And, and there's a lot of churches that are just not doing well. And I have a lot of pastor friends, a lot of people I follow on line and there are a lot of churches just not doing good at all can I tell you I think we're doing good I think we're doing good I think we're we understand why we're here we understand what we're doing and and this church has been impressive all the way through this Uh, nobody has necessarily liked the things we've had to do including the pastor uh, but we have stayed true to the Lord and I believe that is because um, this is important this is important if this is important it doesn't matter what happens out there if this isn't important, then it won't take much to distract you. And so, so um, that being said, I like to. I like to. Uh, I'm just going to have you remain seated. I'm not going to have you stand. I just. I just ask the Lord right now to to bless His Word and to use me and get me out of the way. And um, I'm I'm going to read quite a few scriptures. So I will just have you seated. I want to read just a few. Uh, I'm going to kind of do it like this. It's kind of unusual for me, but I'm going to read. Uh, the, the verses for point one and the verses for point two and the verses point three like that. So, so you won't be standing through all of that. So um, let's read the first seven verses of uh, Romans uh, chapter one. And the Bible says, uh, starting with verse number one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture concerning his son Jesus Christ our lord which was made of the seed of david according to the flesh and declared to be the son of god with power amen according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have re- have received grace and apostleship for obedience for the faith among all nations for his name among whom all Ye are ye called, also are the called of Jesus Christ. Uh, let me read that again. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, first thing I'd like to see, uh, point number one, I would like for you to see that Paul had a clear calling. It was clear. As, as we look at this, uh, Paul wasn't saying, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be doing. Paul, very, very clearly, Paul said, I am a servant. Brother Jacob pointed out to us Wednesday night, that that word is literally the word slave. He said, I am a slave. I've made up my mind, I belong to Jesus Christ. I am his slave, whatever he wants me to do, wherever he wants me to go, I belong to Jesus, and I will do what Jesus says, because I am his slave. And that was not a derogatory statement, that was just saying, I have given all my will to my master. We need some people like that, right? So he had, a, he had a call, a clear call. He was a slave to Jesus Christ. But then he also said, uh, I'm called to be an apostle. Now an apostle was a very high calling. Uh, they, they had a, a, a different role than everybody else. But Paul was clear. I know why I am here I am a slave and I am an apostle. The duties of an apostle, the responsibilities of, a, of a, an apostle, uh, all of the things that come with being an apostle, that is, that is my job. And then he said, I'm separated unto the gospel of God. Paul said, I'm not only am I a slave, not only am I an apostle, but I have been separated to preach the gospel of God. What I'm trying to get you to see is Paul was not wandering around saying, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing i don't know why i'm here i don't know what my job is paul said it's clear i'm a slave i'm an apostle and i'm separated to the gospel and that is my job does anybody here see how that makes things different when you know why you're here that's the title of the message by the way why are you here why are you here Say, Pastor, I'm here to keep this pew warm. No, I can assure you that's not the reason you are here, right? You're not here to keep the pew warm. You got, listen, God never saved you to come in uh, and and come to church a couple times during the week and the rest of life is yours. God never saved anybody for that. You have a purpose. Why are you here? Paul knew his calling. It was clear, crystal clear. Now, Paul could back up his calling as we look at, it says, uh, verses 2 uh, through 7 there, he speaks about uh, this gospel that I am uh, that I am uh, charged to preach. Uh, it was it was testified by the prophets, and God set it up that it would come from the seed of David, and, and what he's basically saying, I've got scripture to back me up, I've got the prophets to back me up, I've got all of these things that back me up, I have a calling, I have a reason I'm here, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I can back it up by the Bible. How many of you know that if you could have that, the devil has a real hard time talking you out of what you're supposed to be doing? Is everybody figuring, getting this? In other words, if you're just here and I'm a Christian but I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing, you can have a bad day and you can just decide to stay home. You can have a bad day and you can decide you don't want to go to church anymore. You can be going through trials and problems and you can just tear you all down. But when you know that you know why you are here, whenever the devil starts messing with you, you say, Oh no, devil, I have a purpose, I have a reason, I know why I'm here. doesn't matter what the world's doing, doesn't matter what the church is doing, I cannot be moved because I have a calling. Now, I want you to look at this. In verse number, the one I messed up so bad, verse number six. Look at that with me. So Paul says, my calling is clear. Uh, It's clear, it's, it's not vague, it's not in general, it's very clear, crisp, specific. But look at what he says in verse number six. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? Who's he talking to? Talking to the congregation. Talking to the people. Now, I know it's a little bit of a controversial subject. Don't wish to get into that this morning. And I know people want to uh, differentiate between callings. I understand that preachers are called to preach the gospel. I I get that, okay? I understand that there are different kinds of callings. I get that. But I believe this, and I believe what Paul is teaching here. If you're a born-again Christian, God has asked you to do something. You are called to do something. It's not just, a, uh, I, I, I'm saved so I can go to heaven. No, he called you so you can do something. And he says here, not only does Paul have his clear, uh, specific calling, but he said, you, all of you, have a calling. You in the church, you in the congregation, you that are lay members have a calling, and you need to figure out what that is. You need to be clear on your calling. Remember, um, you say, Pastor, um, you know, I, I, I can't sing, I'm not a preacher, um, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a get up in front of the church kind of person. I, I don't think I have a calling. You're wrong. You're wrong. You say, Pastor, it doesn't seem like the things I do are that important. Well, Paul had a little something to say about that, didn't he? He said, those things you think aren't that important, those are the most important ones in the church. So I I was just thinking about this message and everything. I was thinking about Brother Bernie. Remember Brother Bernie? Everybody loved Brother Bernie. Amen. And uh, I I just say this here. The church is never going to be the same without Betty and Bernie. Amen. How precious they were, how sweet they were. But I remember Brother Bernie. Now, we all know Brother Bernie. He wasn't a get-up-in-front-of-the-church kind of guy. He wasn't a get-up-and-give-a-big-speech you know, kind of guy. He wasn't you know, big on eloquent words or, or anything not to sing a song or do a lot of fancy things, what we would think is important. But before Brother Bernie's health gave out, a few years back, how many of you remember Brother Bernie would stand at the back door and welcome you when you came in? Is there anybody here that that made a difference in your life? It did me, because I knew whenever you come in, you had a smiling face. I mean, you couldn't help but like the guy, right? I mean, you, <laughs> you, just, you couldn't help but like him, right? So Brother Bernie would stand there. He would shake your hand. He would give you a bulletin, and he would say, glad you're here. And you say, well, that's really not that important. Who says? Who says that's not important? Probably the devil says that's not important. But can I say that is important? Now, can I just say this? If you are called to stand at the door and shake people's hands when they come in, you have the most important job in the church for you. If we had not see it that way... There are a lot of people in this church who do a lot of things behind the scenes and they don't get recognized and they're not up on the pulpit and they're not always getting praised and that kind of thing. But can I tell you, this church would crumble without them because everyone has a calling. And if your calling is something that you think is simple, if you start questioning that, you are saying the Holy Spirit made a mistake because the Holy Spirit sets you in the body how you're supposed to be. Is that right? And... Everybody has a calling. Now, there are people who say this. Well, I don't lead anything. I'm always just helping others. Do you know that's a spiritual gift? It's actually named in the Bible. Helps. You say, that's not important. Who said it's not important? Try being a leader with no one helping you. (laughs) Right? Right? I mean, I'm going to start a ministry. I'm the leader. I don't have anybody following me, but I'm the leader. I'm going to do this great thing, but nobody's... Listen, helps are designed by the Holy Spirit. There are people in this church who are mostly behind-the-scenes people, but can I tell you honestly, as a pastor, they're the ones that make it happen. They're the ones that make it happen. They're the ones that really are making church happen. Listen, the leaders kind of, they get the recognition. But the truth is, if the if the helpers don't help, there ain't nothing going to happen. What I'm trying to point out is everybody's here for a reason. You are here for some specific reason. You are called to do something in this church. You need to figure out what it is. Can I just promise you, according to the Word of God, you were not sent here to sit in a pew, do nothing, and, and make, make and be pretty. Okay? You were sent here to do a job. And a lot of you are doing a fantastic job. And, and I'm not going to try and name all the different ones that do different things. I just say this here. Every calling is important. And when you, when you say it's not, what you're saying is the Holy Spirit messed up. Anybody here want to say that? I sure don't. The Holy Spirit messed up. Right? Holy Spirit didn't give you a very important job. It ain't like mine. I mean, that's blasphemy. Right? Every job is poor. So I want you to get that. You need, just like the Apostle Paul, his, his, his vision was clear. He had a calling. He knew what it was. And it, and it was very specific. It was very detailed. He knew what it was. You need that. Everybody here needs that. And, and I just want to say in these confusing days that we're living in, this messed up world we're living in, when everything seems to be falling apart, and many churches are falling apart, and many Christians are falling apart, and the world's falling apart, and the country's falling apart, and everything's going on. Can I tell you, we need some people who say, I know why I am here. I know I am here. And the devil can't talk me out of it. I started having a pity party, as I said already, a few times over all the mess. And the the, the Lord just reminded me, I didn't put you there to have a pity party. I put you there to lead. Amen? So we need some people who know that. So second thing, let's look at verses uh, 8 through 15. Let's read them. So Paul has uh, said why he is there, his clear calling, and, and uh, he, has, he has made it clear that the congregation is also to have a clear calling. And then we look at verse number 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means, now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you the you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and of me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oft times I purpose to come unto you, but I was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you Also, even as among other Gentiles, I am the debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Number two, Paul said there's a cause for my calling. It was clear what his calling was, but he said there's a reason I'm doing it. Now, can I tell you, whatever your calling is in this church, everybody, I'm, listen, I'm preaching to everybody here. I'm preaching to everybody here. Whatever your calling is in the church, there is a cause behind it. If your calling is to stand at the door and shake people's hands, then your cause is to make people welcome to come into the house of the Lord. That's the cause. And that's an important cause. If your cause is to help others in the ministry, uh, then that cause is important. But you not only need to know your calling, but you need to know why you're doing it. Now Paul here, if we look at this, he he said, it's clear to me that I'm an apostle, it's clear to me that I was separated under the gospel, it's clear to me that I am a slave of Christ, and we know that Paul was a missionary uh, really to the world. So just imagine that. I I know that no one here fits into that category, um, but just imagine this. Paul said, my duty as an apostle to be a slave to Christ, to to be separated to the gospel, and I am a missionary to the world. So Paul often would go into places where there was no church, and he would preach the gospel right, to to lost people who didn't have a church. And he would establish a church, and often that was Paul's uh, practice. But also, a very interesting thing, uh, in the book of Colossians, the book of Romans, and some other, other places, Paul had never been there he got word there was a church had sprung up in Rome he's never been there he didn't start the church he's not been there he just heard about them but he said according to my job title I have a duty to come to you and help you because I am a missionary to the world and and so that that is a little mind boggling but what is my point Paul had a cause for what he was doing he had a reason behind it now I love this. I could I would love to just be able to preach on this for a couple hours. But look at verse number 11 with me. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. Now who's Paul talking to? He's talking to church people talking to church people, right? He's talking to people who probably have a pastor, who probably have preachers, probably have deacons, probably have a lot of good people in the church. We don't know how long this church had been set up, but my point is, it was an established church that it was working right. And Paul said, I want to come there and give you a little more instructions that you could be established in the Lord. What is my point? And I don't want to rabbit trail too far, but you know, that's the biggest problem with most of our churches today it has amazed me through this whole virus thing and even through everything that's happened in our country and everything else, it has amazed me how many, how many Christians have just absolutely crumbled. They've just crumbled. How many churches, not just Christians, but how many churches have just, we're just crumbled. We can't have a church, can't get anybody to come out. How many pastors have just crumbled? You know what it was? They weren't established before this hit and you couldn't get established. You know, when the earthquake comes, it's not a real good time to build a house. Right? If you better have that house built before then, because once the ground starts shaking, it's hard to build a house. And I think that's where a lot of churches were. They weren't a set. So Paul is saying even though you're a church, you need a little bit more instructions. You need a little bit more uh, direction. I need to clarify some things. And when I do, you can become established. Now, the book of Romans is. Is one of the greatest uh, books in the entirety of the Word of God. and Just in period, it's one of the greatest books in the Bible. Uh, but theologically, as far as doctrine goes, there is no book that compares to the book of Romans. And Paul writes this deep theological book to the church at Romans because he said, I want you to be established. You know what I believe he was saying? Truth is important. The Gospel is important. The Word of God is important. I want to establish you. And my whole point of this is... is Oh, Paul, you just think you're smarter than all the rest of us. Oh, Paul, you just think you are somebody. You know, Paul got a lot of that. You can see that he get that. He got a lot of comments like that. People will criticize Paul, but Paul said, "No, I, I'm not arrogant. I'm not. I don't think I'm better than you. I'm not coming here saying that. You know, you got." I'm trying to help you. And he says in the next verse, he clarifies that. He said he said that this, that I may be comforted together with joy by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. He said, I'm not coming there arrogant that I'm better than all of you. I'm just trying to give you a little more help so you can be established. My point is, there was a cause to what Paul did. There was a reason he did it. He not only had a calling, but he had a cause behind it. And be, Now, if you get this and you follow this, if you know why you are here, and you know why you are doing what you are doing, you can then evaluate your, what you are doing. It, are you getting the cause done? Does that make sense or do I need to say it again? <laughs> you know why you're here, And there's a reason you're doing what you're doing, there's a cause behind it, so now you can evaluate the things you're doing, am I accomplishing the cause? Does that make sense? So, whatever your cause is, if your cause is OCC, making shoeboxes, if that's really your calling, then it's pretty easy to figure out if you're doing it, (laughs) right? Right? If, you're, if, you're, if your cause is helping someone else in the ministry they may have the vision they may have the leadership but you are helping them it's pretty easy to see if you're doing what you're supposed to what I'm just saying is if there's a cause and there's a specific reason you can monitor yourself and say I'm, I'm on track or I'm off track I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing I believe a lot of Christians, I believe the problem with a lot of Christians, number one, they don't know why they're here. They don't know their calling. And number two, they don't, they don't know why they're doing it. Somebody says, I'm a preacher. Why? I don't know, but I'm a preacher. <laughs> no, you got, you, there's a reason. There's a reason. I sing songs. Why do you sing songs? I, I'm not sure, but I, I, I have a good voice. No, that's not the reason. You know, we, we can just go down the list. What I'm trying to point out is, when you understand, when the singer, you know, I've been, I've been fighting with the singers for, uh, they are my family. But I've been fighting with the singers For for years and years and years. If you think you're getting up here because you have a good voice. And they they don't say that. But if you think you are. If you think you're getting up here because we have to have singing because it's church. You're doing it for the wrong reason. But when you understand that Jesus Christ needs to be worshipped. And that that is your job to lead others into that. Now you're not doing this because someone has to do it. Now you're not doing this because you have a pretty voice. Now you're not doing it for all the wrong reasons. Now you, the, the cause is, the calling is to sing. The cause is to worship Jesus Christ. And if it does, if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. Now that changes everything. Now when the devil taps you on the shoulder and ticks you off and makes you mad or you don't want to sing, or you're not in the mood, or you don't feel like it, whatever the case may be, now you say, but if I don't, Jesus won't get praised. I probably should do it whether I want to or not. Anybody with me on this? And that goes for everything in the church. That goes for everything in the church. If you have a calling and you have a cause, it will, it will clarify why you were doing what you were doing. So I ask all of you, before we go on to point number three, I ask all of you, do you know why you're here? Everybody here, I'm not excluded. Women, men, young, old, everybody that's here. Do you know why you're here? Do you have, do you have a reason for being here? You gotta have a calling. And you gotta know what the cause behind your calling is, know what, you, what you're supposed to be accomplishing, and you gotta be doing it. You gotta be passionate about it. You gotta be clear about it. You gotta be doing it. You know, there are those people who, I hope we don't have any here, there are those people who say, Oh, I know what my calling is. I know why I'm here. I know the purpose. Are you doing it? Oh, no, I'm not doing it, but I know why. <laughs> Okay, That's another message, okay? That's another message. But if you know you're calling and you know why you're supposed to do it, but you're not doing it, we got a whole other problem, okay? That's called sin, right? So you got to know why you're here and you got to do it. But I love this next part, uh, point number three. I did not plan this. I'm not smart enough to plan this. I was totally blown away with it. I was studying this out and and they had no, I didn't plan this in any way. But it's really hard to believe this is what I'm about to say. But I believe to the, almost to the exact date day, I believe, uh, the best of my memory, it was the second Sunday in January, two thousand and one. I stood in this very pulpit and preached my very first message ever, ever, and I preached on Romans one sixteen. That just kind of boggled my mind when I, because <laughs> I didn't plan that. But as I was studying this out, and as I began to look at it, and then I thought, Oh Lord! After I've been planning on doing this for some time, uh, I I realized. The Lord had done that. But can I tell you, it was true 20 years ago, and it's still true today. It hasn't changed. Listen, a lot of things have changed since then. 20 years ago, things have changed a lot. But the Word of God has not changed Amen. And the Bible simply says in verse number 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So Paul had a clear calling. Paul had a cause for the calling. But Paul, number three, he had a confidence in his calling. He's not saying here, if you read the words here, it does not sound like a man who is saying, well, you know, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm I'm not real sure it's going to do anything. (laughs) You ever see people like that? You ever see preachers like that? You know, I'm I'm called to be a preacher. I don't expect anything to happen. I don't expect God to do anything. No! No! We have dynamite. We have power. We can move mountains. We can change nations. We can do great. We have the power of God. It is the gospel. And we got to have confidence in that. See, Paul said... I read one man and he said, you know, you think about it, Paul had been to Lystra and he'd been stoned and he'd been to Philip uh, and he'd been put in jail and, he, and he'd been all these different places. He'd been run out of town. He'd been beat up. He had been, he had received stripes. He'd been beaten. He'd been made fun of. He'd been mocked by church people. He'd been made fun of. He'd, he'd been ridiculed. He'd, he'd had everything happen to him whatsoever. And he said, I'm not ashamed. What do most people do when they get enough criticism? They get ashamed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. He held his head high and he said, I still believe the gospel. Is there anybody here this morning that still believes the gospel? It is the power of God. It'll change lives. It'll save souls. It'll move. It'll work. I believe in 2021, no matter what this country does, until the Lord comes back, I believe the gospel will work. I believe it has power. I believe it will change lives. Paul could say, you know, I've been. there's been many times that, that people rejected my message. There's been many times that people threw me out of town. There's been many times I've had to go through bad things. But Paul said, I have preached and God has used that gospel to keep people out of hell. God has used the gospel to change people's lives. God has put homes back together. God has, God has done great things through the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. We need some preachers today who say, I'm not ashamed. I know the gospel still works. This whole world's getting so messed up, and 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 the just just everything is getting so messed up. And people are scared and, and 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 there's so much going on. And we need some people who can boldly stand up and say, I got the answer. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. The power of the gospel. Do we still believe that all you know we think well sinners don't want anything to do with church and we and we try and do all these different tricks to figure it out, but can I tell you let's just boil it down? Do we believe the gospel works? Do we believe if we tell people about the gospel, they will get saved? The power of God. What is it in saying that, Brother i tell you the power of God. Did he not create the universe? Did he not create everything? Is he not in control of everything? Is he not the greatest being? In the world? He's almighty God. If that God has the power wrapped up in what he calls the gospel, and he gives me the gospel to go out, I'd have pretty good confidence. It's going to do great things. It is a great power of God and it is behind the gospel of Jesus Christ so Paul had a confidence in what he was doing he believed uh, that it would work he did not anticipate failure now any preacher out there uh, starting with your preacher but any preacher out there when they preach they will be rejected right you can get rejected You'll be made fun of. You'll be criticized. You'll be ridiculed. That—that's part of the job, right? And and listen, if you're any kind of preacher at all, you're going to get all that stuff. If you don't get that kind of stuff, there's something wrong with you. Because you're—you're you're, you're going to get some flack. You're going to get some criticism. You're going to get some—some some people that don't agree. They're going to have a lot of people—a lot of people with good intentions to put you down. But—but but that is part of the job. But you need to anticipate God's going to do something. Can I just say? Can I just be real honest? Can I just be transparent with the entire church through everything that's going on? I've already said, but everything that's going on in the world—it's so it'd be a real easy time for me just to say there's no sense trying let's just hunker down till the rapture gets here that's not the answer that is not the answer the answer is there are still people on their way to hell and we need to do all we can to get as many out of that and before the lord comes back listen he could be coming soon it could be any day though i believe we're getting close to the end times are going to get worse I, I fear that we have great uh, bad things ahead of us but can i say all of that doesn't matter our job is keep people out of hell preach the gospel Do we have confidence? Now let me turn that around. The Lord is really, really strongly impressed on my heart about this. But I want to ask all of you guys. I'm preaching to everybody here. I, listen, I'm not leaving anybody. every last person here. Do you guys believe in the power of the gospel? I mean, are we living in such a wicked, evil day that it won't work anymore? It's not any good? It's, it's kind of it's lost its power? I mean, if we do, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? Do we believe the gospel? Do we believe the power of the gospel? Do we believe it'll still work? Do we believe that people will be saved when they hear it? I think we just talked about it Wednesday night, and I believe this is all my heart. You, you can do what you want to, with it, but I believe this is all my heart. A lot of churches are trying to figure out how to get sinners to come to church and all these different tricks and all these different, you know, making the church worldly, making it acceptable. to. By, by the way, the church is never supposed to be comfortable for, for sinners, right? They're supposed to be uncomfortable when they come to church. So we don't design a church to make them comfortable. We design a church so they won't be comfortable, so they'll get saved. But I said this Wednesday night, I believe that if anyone truly, clearly understands the gospel, they will get saved. You say, well, a lot of people reject it. Well, the Bible says that the God of this world, which is the devil, has blinded the eyes of a whole lot of people. So you can come in church, you can listen to the gospel for years and still reject it because your eyes have been blinded to it. I, I, I've used Sister Laura for an illustration so many times, but she wasn't raised in church, didn't understand everything. She came here for years, shared the gospel many, many times. But it was like one day when it really dawned on her Oh, I want to be saved. Right? I believe that. I believe the men I work with, I believe they might hear of the gospel, they might know about church, but I believe if they can really understand that they are a sinner and they will go to hell and they will burn forever, but Jesus Christ is the answer that they don't have to, I believe they would be saved. I believe that applies to everybody. So our job is not to trick them. Our job is not to be like the world. Our job is not to make them comfortable. Our job is to get them to see they need Jesus and they need him right now. They need him right now. There's not time to wait. The preachers used to say years ago, Jesus is coming. Well, that was true. But can I tell you, it's it's getting real. It's getting real. I tell you what, if I didn't know Jesus, if you're watching online or if you're here, if I didn't know Jesus, I'd be running to the altar. I would take no chances leaving out here. And in the mess that we're in, I would not take any chances of not knowing Jesus. Because at any day, he could say, over It's over, right? It pays to be ready. So Paul had a confidence that what he was doing would make a difference. He believed in it. So this first beginning of January, not the first Sunday, I guess, but this beginning of January, as we're looking at a new year, we don't know what this year holds. We don't know what lays before us. We don't know what good or bad will come. And even leaving all the stuff that's going on in the world, we don't know what's going to happen to us. Right? I hate to say it, but we could have health problems ahead of us. We could have we could lose more people. We could, different things could happen. But can I tell you, we have a job to do at Sandhill. Hill. I want to make that really clear. God has drilled that so strong in my heart. We have a job to do. I have a job to do. God being my helper, I will do it. No matter what I see, no matter what I hear, no matter what comes, what goes, no matter who disagrees with me, no matter anything that happens, I have a job to do, and that is to get up and tell you guys we're going to go forward for Jesus. That doesn't change. Listen, that's not going to change. You say, what if we don't have our church anymore? It doesn't change. What if they take away our tax exempt? doesn't change. What if we have to meet in someone's house? doesn't change. None of that changes because Jesus is still on the throne. He will always be on the throne, and we are to preach and occupy till He comes. And I need a congregation who says, I'm with you. No matter what comes, what goes, I'm in. <clears throat> Amen. I believe the writer of Hebrews, I believe the sixth chapter of Hebrews, uh, not, not meaning to take this verse out of context, but I believe he said something like this. He went on, he went on to talk about those people, uh, sixth chapter of Hebrews. He went on to talk about all those people who had said they were saved and then they turned their back on the Lord and went back out. And this is what He said, the writer of Hebrews said this, but I am persuaded better things of you. Can I say that again? I'm persuaded of better things of you. See, so your pastor, you know, Josh made the comment there. I believe last Sunday, he said, um, "I think you all a great bunch of folks." He said, I tend to put on rose-colored glasses and look at you guys. And, and I, I do that as well. I don't want a bunch of quitters. I don't want to be a bunch of people who don't know whether they're in this or not. I want to be persuaded of you guys. You're going to be here. You know, some of you guys that are here, I know that I know that I know that I know. You're going to be here. You're going to be here. Me and brother, uh, me and Renee said back when, when COVID got really bad and there was all kinds of cases and everybody was scared death and no, nobody's coming to church. This is what Renee said. Terry will be there. Terry will be there. Nobody else will be there. Terry will be there. Right? I mean, we, just, we just knew it. Right? It wasn't an option. But I, I, I want to be persuaded of every last person here, better things than that. Not going to quit. Not going to back up. If you're persecuted, not going to quit. Now, I, don't, I don't want this to be doom and gloom. I don't think it should be doom and gloom, but you know it is a very real reality that we could be facing persecution. It's a very real reality we could be losing our freedoms. It's a very real reality that really bad things could be coming. but can I tell you I want to be persuaded that none of that matters we're in this for we're in this for Jesus, right? If they lock us up, if they torture us, if we can't if we can't buy and sell if we, whatever they do, I'm persuaded we're not going back. Is anybody with me? I want a group of people who believe in the calling and have a cause for doing it and are confident that it will work. I just believe we have that, then a whole lot the devil can do with us. Amen.
0: We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for Spiritual Growth of All Ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.